Well, this morning, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the Gospel of John. John chapter 4 is where we're going to be. And while you're finding that, just a reminder, we need lots of Easter candy, small Easter candy that will fit in a plastic egg. We're in the process. You guys are in the process of filling, stuffing, taping uh, 20,000 Easter eggs that uh, we'll be distributing on Good Friday, and uh, we're looking forward to a great community event. We encourage you to invite uh, people from all across the community to be at Matthews Park on Good Friday uh, that afternoon. I I don't remember exactly what time we start. We'll be getting that uh, to you in the weeks ahead, but it's going to be here before you know it, and we need lots of candy. So if you think about it, pick up a bag and drop it off here at the church. And thank you for those that have already bought candy and already been stuffing eggs to help us prepare for that. Well, for several weeks, we were in a series uh, that we called The Journey, but we transitioned uh, a couple weeks ago in our journey to a denominational uh, Church of the Nazarene worldwide focus uh, that's called Water for the Way. And what we're doing uh, is we are joining a journey uh, with tens of thousands of other Nazarenes all around the globe on a journey of unity through the Lent season that will be leading us to the cross and then our Easter celebration of an empty tomb. And we've learned uh, this uh, season of Lent, this idea of Lent may be new to uh, some of you. It's not as uh, practiced as much in Protestant churches as it is in the Catholic Church, but uh, uh, we're learning, and we've learned that the season of Lent is a time for us to confront our own sin, to confront sin in our lives And then last week, we looked at the cure for that sin, which is God's amazing grace. Well, this week, we're going to continue with these two themes of Lent, confronting sin and also hopefully getting a deeper understanding of grace and what it means for you and I to be people of grace, living in that grace and that forgiveness and that love that we have accepted from Jesus Christ. And so today, our water for the way uh, comes from an encounter at a water well, a well uh, in Samaria. And I appreciate so much Anna Kissinger uh, sharing uh, our scripture with us this morning during our time of worship. And, uh, but in order for us to understand the context of this passage of scripture... Uh, we need to understand that the people from Samaria who uh, were called uh, Samaritans, uh, that these people were looked down upon by a lot of people in the culture of that day. They were especially looked down upon uh, by the Jews. and, And by some, they would even be considered to be just outright enemies of the Jews as well. And so in their society of that time and in their culture of that time, uh, the Jews would have been viewed as a, a, a better uh, people, if you will. They would have been viewed as a more powerful and a more privileged 
uh, group of people. Even to the point that uh, even when Jews were traveling, and they often traveled between Judea and Galilee, uh, uh, Galilee, I'm sorry, Judea and Galilee, when they would be traveling, they would actually avoid going through Samaria. Even though going through Samaria was a shorter path for them to travel to get there, they would often uh, go around it. It's, it's kind of like you and I. We, we find ourselves doing this today. If uh, if we know that uh, we're going somewhere, but maybe the shortest and quickest path to get there uh, takes you through a really rough part of town, uh, just to be safe, sometimes we might make the decision to take a longer route so that we don't enter into that particular part of town because we know that it might not be safe. And, and so this would have been Samaria. If you were a Jew, this would have been the, the part of town that you would have driven around in order to avoid it. As a matter of fact, even in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 10, when Jesus sends out his 12 disciples to begin to do ministry on their own without him being there, he actually gives them specific instructions in Matthew 10 to not go to Samaria. He tells them, he sends them out and sends them to do his work for him, but he specifically says, do not enter any town of the Samaritans. But in our story today, we're going to see an encounter at a well between Jesus and a Samaritan woman. And, and we would do well to note here that this was no accidental encounter between Jesus and this woman that we see here today. Don't ever doubt, don't ever doubt that our Savior does not only guide the steps of His children and guide the steps of those who are His followers, but don't you ever doubt the fact that He even guides the steps of the lost. He guides the steps of those who have not yet encountered grace and those who have not yet experience salvation in their lives. And the Savior will find them, even though they may not be seeking Him. They may not be looking for Him, but yet He will still find them and search them out and bring them this salvation to consider. The Messiah, Jesus, the Son of God, who would preach to multitudes of people that we see recorded throughout the New Testament. This same Jesus that would have thousands follow Him and hang on every word that He would say and every sermon that He would preach. On this day, He has one person on His mind, and it's an outcast Samaritan woman. So let's pick it up again uh, this morning, This uh, starting here in verse 1 of John chapter 4. Uh, we're going to look at this passage uh, again and kind of break it down. Uh, it's a lot of scripture this morning, and, and so uh, we'll have it on the screen, but I encourage you to follow along in your Bibles if you have your Bibles with you today. And it begins like this, John chapter 4, verse 1. It says, now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but it was his disciples. And so he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. So Jesus, again, he's leaving Judea. He's going to Galilee. And again, the shortest path 
uh, between those places is to pass through Samaria. But again, the Jews would often bypass it and take a longer route to avoid it. But in verse 4, it says, now he, speaking of Jesus, had to go through Samaria. Scripture tells us that he had to go through Samaria. And scholars, uh, Bible interpreters, they uh, disagree on whether this verse emphasizes this based on time restraints uh, that he had to go through Samaria. I don't believe that was the case because he ended up staying there a few days. Uh, Other scholars believe that it was simply a route that Jesus knew that he must take in order to have this life-changing interaction with this Samaritan woman. And I believe, I personally feel uh, that it seems most likely that Jesus chose this route on purpose, for a purpose, and it was a purpose much greater uh, than simply taking a shorter path or a faster route. Because you see, that's how Jesus works. He works on purpose and for a purpose, and as the children of God, we are to do the same. Let's continue on verse 5. He says, So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well, and it was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone on into town to buy food. Verse 9, the Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. You see, this woman, she knew the protocols. She knew the rules. She knew the pecking order, if you will. And she knew that Jews did not associate with Samaritans. They never expected a Jew to speak to them or to interact with them. And not only do they, did the Jews not associate with Samaritans, but they also would never use any type of dish that a Samaritan might have used, such as a, a saucer, a plate, a, a cup, a well bucket, uh, whatever, Jews would have never touched a dish or uh, something like that if they knew that a Samaritan had used it previously. But there's even more that makes this extraordinary because there were multiple religious laws for the Jews. And we talked about this last week and all the laws that they had to follow. But there were multiple laws about men interacting with women in the Jewish culture. And one of those laws, one of those rules, is that a man should never speak to a woman alone unless they were related to them. So Jewish men were not allowed to speak to a woman if they were alone unless it was their wife or it was someone that was relating, related to them. And so think about what Jesus is doing here. He is violating all kinds of rules, right? He, he's violating all kinds of customs here in this meeting and this encounter with this Samaritan woman at the well. And what's funny about it is this. She points it out, right? She's, she's like, you're not supposed to be here. You're not supposed to be talking to me. We're not supposed to be having this interaction here. And, and it's kind of bold of her. You know, she's the lowest one of social status in this conversation. It's kind of bold of her to point out that Jesus shouldn't be interacting with her. 
because she's probably, uh, scholars tell us that she is probably even an outcast from her own town and her own village because of her past. And that may be why she's at the well at a time of day when no one else would be there. Uh, They typically would not go to the well to draw water at this time of the day, but this is when she was there. And scholars said probably because she's trying to avoid people and not be ridiculed or made fun of. And so not only is this conversation between Jesus and this woman uh, strange because it actually took place, but you would also have to say that what Jesus says to her, uh, we heard earlier, is actually pretty strange as well, uh, if you think about it. Let's read through their conversation again, starting in verse 10. Jesus said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with. Right? Jesus is offering her water, and he don't even have anything to draw with from the well. And she says, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water that I give them, they will never thirst Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up into eternal life. And so Jesus makes this offer to this woman of living water. And living water would have meant back in their time uh, by Jesus to speak about living water, it it would more than likely have meant, uh, you know, a fresh flowing water a fresh, clean, flowing uh, water that would have been extremely rare uh, in this part of the world. And when she is confused by what he's saying, when she is confused because there's no evidence of this living water that he's offering, Jesus makes this claim again. And honestly, Jesus sounds a little bit like a traveling salesman here. Uh, When when I read this story and think about it, I, I think of... Uh, that Andy Griffith show where the traveling salesman comes to town and he's, he's selling snake oil or whatever it is and all the ladies in town are all drunk because they're buying this from him. Um, I don't know why I thought that or why I even just said that. Um, but Jesus does kind of sound like a traveling salesman here, doesn't he? I mean, think about it. He's offering this woman a special kind of water that he appears not to have. He doesn't even have a bucket to draw water with. And he's offering this woman some some water that will not only quench her thirst forever, but it will also lead to eternal life. And the woman is like, I'm game. You know, it sounds good to me. If I don't ever have to come to this well again and draw water, I'm all about it. Verse 15, the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. So, you know, she's, she's entertaining the idea. She's open to it because she's having to come to this well every single day, probably as an outcast here in the middle of the day. So, yes, sir, I'll take your water. And then look at what happens. Jesus starts telling her about her life. Verse 16, he told her, go call your husband and come back. 
And she says, I have no husband. And Jesus replied to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, though, you have had five husbands. And the man that you are now with is not your husband. She said, what you have said is quite true. I can see that you are a prophet. And we might interpret this here as we read this. We might think that what Jesus is doing here is he's revealing her sin to her. But if you notice and pay careful attention, it doesn't seem that Jesus is judging her here. This doesn't sound like a judgmental uh, exchange and conversation that they're having here. By him revealing to this uh, woman that he knows her and that he knows her story is to show her this, that God sees her and God cares about her. Now skip down to verse 25. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. So Jesus reveals himself to her. He reveals to this lady that, in fact, he is the Messiah that they've been looking for and waiting for. And once she realizes this, once she has an encounter with Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, I want you to notice what she does next. This is a lesson for every single one of us. Verse 28 says, Then leaving her water jar behind, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, Come, see a man who has told me everything that I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And so they all came out of the town and they made their way toward Jesus. Let me tell you something, folks. People who have encountered Jesus, people who have experienced Jesus, they just naturally go and tell other people about him. We see it all throughout Scripture. People who were healed, people who were saved, people who encountered Jesus, they always, it says almost every time, they immediately went out and told others about Jesus and how he had transformed their lives. And then verse 42, the people from town said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard it for ourselves and we know that this man is really the Savior of the world. Church, do we know this morning that Jesus is really the Savior of the world? Amen. Sure we do. Many of you have experienced that salvation in your life and in your family. The people in this story are amazed at Jesus. They're amazed at His message and what He's got to offer them. And don't miss this. This outcast... This lady who was an outcast, this low-life woman, becomes the catalyst for revival in Samaria that day. People's lives are transformed by the message and the hope of living water. But the most profound thing about this story is that Jesus goes out of his way to break down spiritual, geographical, and cultural boundaries. That's exactly what he's doing at the well and in this story. 
Friends, this world that we're living in today is ripe for a harvest. Amen? This world is ripe for a harvest today. And the truth of the matter is that a lot of us in this room have encountered Jesus. A lot of us in this room have experienced the transformation that comes from the living water that Jesus has to offer us through salvation. Many of us know Him. Many of us have met Him. Many of us have experienced the man who can transform lives. And we've seen here today that being seen and being known by Jesus like the woman at the well, that is what transforms lives. Being seen, being known without judgment is what drives her to tell other people about Jesus. Church, don't miss this. Love and compassion are transformative. Sharing the love of Jesus, sharing love and compassion the way that Jesus did, transforms lives. It always has and it always will. That's what this living water is all about. This harvest of souls that we see here. This revival, as some might call it, that springs up in Samaria. It all happens because why? The overlooked is seen. The outcast is included. The ridiculed is not judged. They are all accepted and they are loved. And friends, this is so important. We see this with Jesus all throughout his adult life and his ministry here on this earth because God wants to work outside of our man-made boundaries. He wants to work outside these walls. He wants to work outside those boundaries that have been created by men and women, especially when those boundaries are built out of discrimination or those boundaries are built out of oppression. Jesus willfully humbled himself, even though he legitimately at the time had a social status that was better than a Samaritan. Right? But yet he humbled himself to overlook the outcast. He, 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 I didn't say that right at all, did I? Jesus willfully humbled himself even though he had the social status and power to overlook the outcast. You see, it would have been totally acceptable if he would have overlooked this woman, not spoke to this woman. It would have been totally accepted if he would have choose to go around Samaria. Nobody would have said a word. Nobody would have said a thing. And so what we must do is we must learn what this teaches us as followers of Jesus. That in order for us to have a harvest, in order for us to see towns and communities and families' lives changed and transformed... And we have to humble ourselves as well. We have to be humble. We will have to lay down our rights. We will have to set aside our privileges. We'll, we'll have to set aside our social status in this world. And truly see people. Not out of judgment of those people. 
but as the beloved creations of God that they are, and everyone has a soul, a beautiful soul, that's going to spend eternity either in heaven or hell. That's how we should view every single creation of God. And here's the deal, friends. Division is a reality in this world today. That, that was new news to some of y'all here, right? There is division in our world today, is there not? Division is nothing new. It's uh, been a reality in this world all throughout history. Not just in the Bible, uh, not just in other countries, and not just in the past. Humans everywhere have created systems and cultures of division discrimination, and oppression. uh, They've created boundaries that make others feel like they are outcast. Even when it's over trivial matters. Even when it's over things like my grandma used to say that don't amount to a hill of beans. People will be divided over it. They'll draw lines. They'll build walls. They'll do all these things over things that don't really matter when it comes to eternal life, and where each and every individual is going to spend it. The result of this is that we find it difficult to cross certain boundaries. If we're all all honest, we find it difficult to cross certain boundaries or associate with certain types of people out of fear that we might be ridiculed or our reputation might be tarnished. If someone were to see us or to know about it. But here's the bottom line, church. Jesus is your example. Jesus is our example. Jesus who broke boundaries over and over and over again to teach us just how deep and how wide The love of God truly is. Friends, sometimes our journey will cross paths with Samaritans. Sometimes our journeys will cross paths with those people. And when it does, may we follow the example and the path of Jesus our Savior. And Jesus humbled himself at a time when, don't miss this, he was tired. This passage tells us that when he approached the well, he was tired. He was weary. He could have been focused on himself. He could have been focused on a lot of things. You know, when we get tired and we get weary, we're really not thinking about other people. We're thinking about ourselves. We're thinking about refreshing ourselves, getting ourselves something to drink, getting ourselves something to eat, getting ourselves some rest. And that's how Jesus approaches the well that day. He has needs and he has burdens of his own that he's carrying as he uh, uh, approaches the well that day. But he sets all of that aside to minister to a stranger, to minister to an outcast to humble himself and show his enemy how deep and how wide the love of God is. 
You see, he does this for her so that she might know the love of God in her life. And what he did was he demonstrated for us the kind of people that you and I are supposed to be. He demonstrated to you and me exactly how we are to treat the outcast, the oppressed, the discriminated against. People who lay down our privilege. That's who he wants us to be. That's who he's called us to be. To be people who lay down our privilege. People who take the time to truly see and know other people. To take time to see and know other people and not to pass judgment on those people. But to show them compassion. Show them compassion. He wants us to be people who are willing to cross these man-made boundaries. He wants us to be people who, instead of building walls, He wants us to tear down the walls and build a table. Because everyone is invited to the table. That's who God has called us to be. That's what God has called us to do. To do these things so that we can share the love of God with others. Why would we want to share the love of God with others? Because of what He's done for us. He's saved us. He's transformed us. He's filled us with living water. And we have the promise of eternal life with Him. That ought to make us want to run and tell everybody that we see and we encounter about the love of God. It's for you and you and you and you. And it doesn't matter if you're American, if you're Japanese, if you're white, if you're green. It doesn't matter. He went to the cross for us all. All of humanity. Friends, this is the season of Lent. Again, this is a time that we've learned uh, that it should be a season of us confronting our sin. Not pointing out the sin of everybody else, but this is a season that we're going through right now to where we confront our own faults, our own failures, and our own sin in our life. And so as you and I take this time to do that, my prayer is that I would be like Jesus and I would be humbled. As I look at my failures, as I look at uh, the things that, that I do that are in direct disobedience of what God has called me to do, that I would look at my life and I would be humbled and I would realize, you know what, I am no better than that person over there. I'm no better than that Samaritan. I'm no better than that evil person that I've, I've labeled and, and I've, I've driven around for years and years and years because I was afraid of them or I didn't want to be associated with them. You see, the season of a Lent is a time when we uh, humble ourselves the way that Jesus humbled himself. and Confess and repent of when we have allowed human boundaries to divide us. God, forgive us for that. May we be available and willingly and willing to truly see those around us, to truly hear those around us, to listen. You see, as Christians, we think we've got so much to say. We need to line them out. We need to tell them the right way. We've got so much to say when sometimes the best thing to do is just pull up a seat at the well and listen. 
and get to truly know people. Why? So that they, too, might know the love of God. And may we embrace that where our journey leads us today as we lead this place. May we embrace where this journey may take us tomorrow. May we know and understand this one thing. The fields are ripe for harvest. The fields are ripe with a harvest and we're being sent out as followers of Christ today to build the kingdom of God. To harvest souls. And friends, I'm going to tell you, when we leave this place and we continue our journey today and we continue our journey tomorrow, I'm going to just tell you, our journeys are going to bring us face to face with Samaritans. Our journeys are going to bring us face to face with the outcast, with the judged, with the discriminated against. We're going to come face to face with those that have been told all their lives they're not good enough, they'll never be good enough. And God says, humble yourself like my son gave you the example to do. Show them love so that they too might receive and taste this living water that brings eternal life. That's the challenge for us today as Christians as we leave this place. But you know, in a room this size with this many people today, I'm going to say there may be some people here today that have never experienced what Jesus offered to this woman, and you never really understood it. My prayer is that today that the Spirit enabled you to hear and understand a little better about the love of God, His goodness, and His grace. And that He wants you to be His child. He wants you to live in and with this living water in your soul that will spring up and give you life. And give you life abundantly, Scripture tells us. So if that's you here today, I, I just encourage you today. God brought you here uh, on purpose, for a purpose. You encountered him today at the well in Samaria for a reason. And so if you've never accepted him, accepted his grace and his forgiveness, why not today? He arranged this meeting here today. Why not today? Why not accept it? And then go and tell. Go and share it with others so that they too might experience what you're experiencing today. This morning as we close together, I want to again invite anyone that would like to come pray as we close to come to these altars today. Many needs in our church, many situations, a lot going on. People need the help and the hope of God. Not only in the church, but in the world that we're living in today. So if God laid on your heart to come and pray, maybe for someone or situation, come right now. We're not going to drag this out. We're going to close with a word of prayer. And I invite you to come right now if you need to come. Maybe God spoke to you about maybe some walls or some boundaries that you've allowed to divide you. 
with some other people. And maybe today you'd just like to come and say, today I'm tearing those walls down. I'm tearing down those boundaries. I want to be available. I want to be used by God wherever I go on this journey. And during this season of Lent, as we confront our sin, we also must have a deeper understanding of just how special and how good God's grace is in our lives. So this morning, if you would like to come, I invite you to come as we close in prayer together today. God, first off, this morning, I want to thank you for that love. I want to thank you for the well experience that I had with you. Because I was the outcast, I was the sinner, I was the one that other people judged, and probably, honestly, other people avoided. But because of you, I became a new creation. Thank you so much for your grace and your forgiveness in my life. God, today I just believe with all my heart that there'd be someone in this room today or someone maybe watching online that has never really truly accepted you as their Savior. They haven't experienced this new life, this transformation that takes place and and it's not it's not always an immediate hey I'm going to make you perfect kind of transformation but it's a transformation that begins when we accept you through faith believing who you are it begins there with our sins being forgiven our past that slate being wiped clean That's what happens when we accept you. And I I pray that today there would be someone in this room that would accept your forgiveness, accept your salvation, and they would know, they would leave out of this place today with confidence and knowing my past is simply that. It's the past. And it's not going to define my future. It's been forgiven. It's been erased. It's been made clean. Now, Satan don't want us to forget about our past. He wants us to continue to live in that. Your word says it's gone. That you cast it as far as the east is from the west. It's no longer there. It's no longer a part of our life. It's no longer who we are once we become a child of God. So God, I pray for those here today that are making the decision to live a life for you. I pray for those who are accepting this living water that promises eternal life. I pray that they would know without a shadow of a doubt today. I pray that they would, they, they would just, in a very real sense, be flooded with this flow of living water. They would feel it, know it, embrace it today, God. And then for those of us that have Many for years and years, God, forgive us for allowing boundaries to keep us from being able to share the love of God. Forgive us for being judgmental 
toward people and not being willing to go to them and have conversation and listen and truly get to know people that don't know you. God, forgive us for being a part of a system that makes people outcast, that makes them feel lesser or to have less value in this world. Forgive the church if we've been a part of that. Help us to see and to know everyone for who they truly are. And that's a creation of a loving God who wants every one of us to accept that love and spend eternity with you. As we go from this place, we're going to come face to face with some of those people. Help us, God. Help us, God, to humble ourselves. Help us to respond the way that you would have us to respond. And I can't do that in my own strength, and neither can these folks. But you promised us help. You promised us strength through the presence of your Holy Spirit. And so, God, may we go from this place today with a boldness, a boldness in knowing we can do this. We can do the very thing that we see Jesus doing at this well in Samaria. We can do that with your help. We can be that with your help. So thank you for your help. I pray for those in our church right now that are battling. Many are battling physical uh, sickness. Many are battling cancer. Many are battling uh, problems at home and in the family. And God, you know each and every situation, and we can't call them all by name today, but God, we continue to pray for our dear friend and our good brother Richard. God, draw him close. Do a special work in his heart and in his life as uh, he, he feels his body uh, deteriorating. And, and he knows that you know, he's, he's among his last days here and his family knows that. As his church family, we know that. And it hurts. It rips our hearts out to know that we're, uh, we're at some point going to lose this man that we love so dearly. But the truth is we're all going to travel this same path. And so help us to love others that are on that path. Help us to be encouragers. Help us to be helpers. God, I pray that we would come along beside uh, Deborah and Josh and Caleb and, and their family, God, and just show them uh, the kind of love that not only we have for them, but the kind of love that we have for you and the kind of love that you have for us. May we be extensions of that love to this precious family. God, be with Richard, be with Randy as he continues to battle cancer and we celebrate good news that uh, he got this week and celebrate the fact that he's had a better week and he feels better. But God, he's still got a big fight, a huge fight ahead of him. But God, I know he trusts you with his life. He trusts you with his future. So God, give him what he needs. Give Karen what she needs each and every moment of every day as they journey not alone, but they journey this journey with you. And they journey this journey with a church family who loves and cares for them. God, I pray for June as she approaches and as she takes in this diagnosis of cancer that she's received, God. And we trust you. We trust what you're doing in and through that situation and in their family, God. And again, I thank you so much for doctors and nurses and scientists and all those that are in the medical field, all those that have a part 
God, we know that you use them on a daily basis to bring healing. And God, I, I pray today that you would give them wisdom in June's situation and in her case, God. But most of all, we pray for healing in her life. We pray for cancer-free reports, God. We pray that you would be with them, sustain them, walk with them in a way that they know they're being held up by the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. God, I pray that you be with Linda Ushery today, that you would bring healing to her body. We thank you for the recovery that she's had to this point. But God, we pray for total healing and restoration. I pray for my good friend and my, uh, my brother, uh, Mike Parks, God. Pray that you would continue to bring healing to his body and be with him in this next step as he uh, knows he's got a, another one of these surgeries to face, God. Just do what only you can do in him and his family and his life, God. I pray today for Danny Cunningham, family of many people in this church that's been diagnosed with cancer. and It, it seems so bad. God, I just pray that you'd be glorified in his life, glorified in his family, that they would know that you're in absolute and total control and that you hold the key to eternal life. Eternal life. Thank you for that today. Thank you for the hope of that today. We go from this place sharing living water and eternal life. And we thank you for the opportunity to do that. We thank you for saving us. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus that we pray and ask these things. Would you stand with me this morning as we are dismissed with a word of benediction? And I ask you to recite with me as we're reminded of who we are today. Lord, let us go out into the world in peace and dedicated to your service. Let us hold tightly to that which is good supporting the weak, helping the needy, and honoring all people. May the strength of God sustain us. May the power of God preserve us. May the hands of God protect us. May the way of God direct us. May the love of God go with us this day and forever. Amen. I love you all. Have a blessed week.